The first lesson, which will also be the basis for the sermon, is from Exodus chapter 34, verses 29 to 35. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not realize that the skin of his face was shining because he had been speaking with the Lord. When Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, they were amazed that the skin of his face was shining, so they were afraid to come close to him. Moses called to them, so Aaron and all the rulers of the community returned to him, and Moses spoke to them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came close to him, and he gave them all of the commands that the Lord had spoken to him on Mount Sinai. When Moses was finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out again. Then he would come out and tell the people of Israel what he had been commanded. Whenever the people of Israel saw Moses' face, they would see that the skin of Moses' face was shining. Then Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went in to speak with the Lord again. The word of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Two weeks ago was the Super Bowl. Every year in the run-up to the Super Bowl, especially during the six-and-a-half-hour pregame show, there is a lot of talk about glory. Oh, the winner of this year's Super Bowl is going to get glory that lasts. They're going to go down in history and be remembered. Uh, I love football as much as the next good American. I watch unhealthy amounts of football, but we should probably pump our brakes a little bit on the whole glory forever for the winners of the Super Bowl thing. Uh, if you pulled aside even the most hardcore professional football fan and asked him or her, who won the Super Bowl five years ago or even three years ago, they'd probably have a pretty hard time coming up with the answer. The glory does fade pretty fast. But it's not just true for sports. You hear the same kind of thing on the red carpet before the Oscars. Oh, who's going to win Best Picture this year? Who will be Best Actress? They'll be remembered. They'll get fame and glory. I'd be really impressed if anybody here, I mean, without using their phone, could name the winner of Best Picture from even two years ago. People look for glory all kinds of places in this world, and... They do find it sometimes, but usually it doesn't last very long. Usually it fades. And usually it, it actually fades pretty fast. And if you want to find glory that really lasts and doesn't fade away, then you have to make sure you look for that glory in the right place. Now let me tell you the story about a large group of people who had glory that they thought was going to last. At the bottom of Mount Sinai, there are more than two million Israelites camped. This is the nation of Israel that just over a year earlier broke out of Egypt and 400 years of slavery. And now they are on the march to the beautiful land that God promised would be their own. But before they arrive at the promised land, they have this important stop to make at Mount Sinai. While these millions of Israelites wait at the bottom, their leader, Moses, climbs to the top of Mount Sinai. And while Moses is up at the top of Sinai, Moses speaks to the Lord, and the Lord speaks to Moses. 
And when the Lord speaks to Moses, he gives him the commandments. Rules, rules, rules. That's what God gives to Moses up on Sinai. Rules, rules, and more rules. Now some of these rules were just for the Israelites back in the Old Testament as God's chosen people who were carrying the promise of the Savior. He gave them all kinds of special rules just for them. But also in this law of God were his commands that he expects all human beings of all time to keep, including you and me. And those commandments are summarized for us neatly and tidily in what we call the Ten Commandments. As Moses marches back down Mount Sinai, and actually he was over 80 years old, so it might have been more of a slow shuffle, but when he comes back down Mount Sinai, he's holding in his hands the law, the commandments of God. And to give those millions of Israelites a visual aid of what this law means, the Lord causes Moses' face to shine, to shine with glory. And it's not until Moses is finished reading these commandments to the people of Israel that he puts a, faith, a veil over his face to hide the glory so that the people will not be afraid to approach it. And when Moses came down that mountain, his face was shining because the law of God that he had in his hands is a bright, beaming, glorious thing. The law of God, his commandments, glorious for the simple reason that they are God's word and they are his will for our lives. But it's not just that. When we obey God's commandments, we are pleasing our God. We are honoring him and thanking him for all of the good things that he has given us in this life. But it's not just that. God's commands are good because they come from the creator. He made us. He designed us. He knows what's best for our relationships with each other and our relationship with him. When we follow God's commandments, we are following the plan and the purpose of the one who knows us better than we know ourselves, our creator. So it is no wonder when Moses came down that mountain with God's law, with his commands, that Moses' face was beaming bright because the law of God is a bright, beaming thing. But there was a problem. In 2 Corinthians, St. Paul informs us of another reason, a sort of ulterior motive for Moses to put that veil over his shining face. And that is that like championships and awards, the glory that came with the law of God was fading away. But why? I mean, if the law of God is such a bright, beaming, and glorious thing, then why did the glory coming from Moses' face start to fade away? See, this law of God, his commandments, are actually a two-sided deal, or in the language of Scripture, a covenant, a sacred contract. In his law, in his commandments, God makes us this deal. If you keep my law, if you keep my commandments and you keep them all perfectly, I will give you glory. And I will give you glory that never ends. I will give you glory here in this world and I will give you glory in the world to come. You see the two sides of that contract. You keep the commandments, you keep them perfectly, and God gives you glory that never ends. 
But now comes the real problem. And that is that no mere human being can, and no mere human being ever has, kept up their end of that deal perfectly. I mean, the Israelites back in the New Testament, forget it. They didn't even come close. They didn't even try most of the time with those commandments that God gave just for them. Forget it. Ten commandments, not even close. And there isn't a single person here who has kept God's Ten Commandments perfectly in our lives too. So the law, the commandments of God, simply do not work as a source of glory for us, source of lasting glory, because we haven't kept up our end of the deal, which is to keep all of those commandments and to keep them all perfectly. See, really, the glory of the law, and it is a glorious thing, but it fades in the darkness of our sin. And it actually gets even worse than that. Because in the law, God also says, if you do not keep these commandments perfectly, you're condemned. You're lost. So not only does the glory of the law fade away in our sin, but in its place comes condemnation and fear. This is why the Bible calls the law of God the old covenant. It's old in the sense of it is inferior. It is weaker. It doesn't work for us as a source of lasting glory because... We haven't kept up our end of the deal. And yet, Christians sometimes still, pretty stubbornly, try to find glory for themselves in the law of God. No matter how many times my heart is told, it doesn't work, that ship has sailed because you're not perfect, there's always a part of my heart that wants to find glory for me in the commandments of God. And I do it by rationalizing. I figure, ah, come on, perfection. That can't be right. And, uh, you know, I'm a pretty good person most of the time. I keep the commandments. I feel like a solid, you know, 90, 85. Most of the time, I keep God's commandments. I'm a good person. And so I feel like God owes me a little something. He owes me some happiness here in this world, in this life. And because I'm mostly good most of the time, he should probably take me to the glory of heaven too. But what we need to remember here is that God, when he draws up his covenants, he draws up the terms, not us. And he tells us very clearly in his word that our end of the deal is perfection. So unless you can claim that, and you can't, you're going to have to find your glory, your glory that lasts forever, somewhere else. You need a different covenant. You need a new deal. You need a new covenant that does not rely on our sinful selves doing anything at all. We need a new covenant where the only work belongs to God. The only end of the deal is his. He does everything. Now, if that phrase, the new covenant, rings a bell for you, and hopefully it does, it's because those words are spoken from the altar every time before we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we are reminded of the words that Jesus speaks to us the night before he dies. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. The new covenant is the blood of our Savior Jesus. The new covenant is the holy life that Jesus lived for us. The new covenant is the blood that Jesus bleeds to seal God's forgiveness and wash away all of our sins. See, all of those violations of God's commandments, all the times we've broken his law, that's all erased. 
That's all gone under the new covenant. The new covenant is, a, is in a word, the gospel. It's the good news that God fully forgives us and accepts us as his children because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And this is all God's work. It's all his plan. He does it all. We sit back and get the benefits of everything that Jesus did to take our sins away. So on this Transfiguration Sunday, we see our Savior Jesus on the top of another mountain where he gives his disciples a brief glimpse of his glory as the Son of God. And when we look at Jesus on the top of that mountain, we are also looking at real glory for ourselves, our only source of true, lasting glory that never fades away. Because after Jesus shows us his glory as the Son of God on the top of that mountain, he wraps it all up under deep layers of humility. And he walks down that mountain and voluntarily heads directly into the hands of his enemies who he knows are going to put him to death. And he does it to shed the blood that signs and seals the new covenant of God's grace. It's all God's plan. It's all his work. And it's our source of lasting glory. The glory that we find in the gospel of Jesus in that new covenant is real glory for our lives here and now in this world. And it's glory that doesn't fade like awards and championships. In fact, the glory you find in Jesus keeps shining even through the darkest moments in life. Even when everything else in your life is going wrong, or looks like it's going backward, or you're just spinning your wheels over and over again, you live in the gospel of sins forgiven and heaven open wide to you because of the work of Jesus Christ. So whatever you experience in this world, whether it's happiness or sorrow, wealth or poverty, you have glory that shines right through every moment of your existence in this world. And in the gospel of Jesus, in this new covenant, you have the glory of knowing where you are going to end up when your time in this world is over. And that is a really glorious thing to know. Now you can have full confidence that because this deal depends completely on Jesus, and it's accomplished, as Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. You know your sins are forgiven, that you are right with God, and you know for a fact where you are going to spend eternity, in glory that never ends. And with that glory of Jesus' gospel in our hearts, this is another truly beautiful thing. Now we can go back to those commandments of God without the fear of condemnation. Now we can return to God's law with a totally new attitude, understanding that's not where we get glory for ourselves because we're not perfect. Forget that. We should never think that. But the commandments of God, that is where we give glory to him. That is where we thank and praise the one who sent his son to establish the new covenant in his blood and forgive all of our sins. Every time we think and speak and act the way God tells us to in his commandments, we are glorifying the one who saved us in his son. In this coming season of Lent, we will watch Jesus seal the new covenant 
with his blood. Remembering this is all God's work and it is our source of glory that never fades away. Amen.